maybe others might not see uh, just because of my experience. And I can tell you, he, you are well cared for, and I feel cared for and taken care of. And I'm glad that my daughter and son-in-law are here, my grandkids are here uh, along with me. So we feel uh, just, again, a thanks to Dave to, to share his pulpit. That's, a, that's a, not always an easy thing to do, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been a long time since I have taught, maybe a couple of years. Uh, so he said, I get three or four hours just to kind of make up for all that time I lost. <laughs> I said, thank you, Dave. I will take full advantage of that. Uh, just one other note. Uh, uh, Pastor Dave asked me to be a team leader for our toddler town. Those are our, our little, from zero to four, uh, our little guys. That's my, I have a heart for children. If you have a heart for children, come talk to me. I'd love to share my heart and my thoughts. If you don't have a heart for children, you, knew, you do need to talk to me. <laughs> because I know somebody that has a great heart for children. Amen? Amen. Amen. So you can, uh, feel free to come and talk to me about that. Because uh, if you don't work with children, you're going to miss out on some special things. You might miss out on hanging out with my three-year-old grandson. Who in one uh, setting at the end of the service, you know, we're kind of wrapping it up, wrapping it up in there. And so one of our teachers, I think it was Debbie Magel, sitting down with the kids with uh, reading a book. And they're all around the table. It was pretty quaint. And so they had a farm animals on the page. And there she started pointing at the farm animals. And what does the, what does the chicken say? Or what does the, how does the, what does the sheep say? And they're going around, what does the horse say? How does the horse sound? So she came to the cow. And she said, well, how does the cow, what does the cow say? And my grandson said, said he said, eat more chicken. <laughs> now, that was worth the price of admission. John, a great, friend, a great uh, fan of uh, uh, chicken filet, and so he quickly, he's that smart. <laughs> or I, I also, I love children. I work at an elementary school uh, with kindergartners, and I also do the infamous lunch and recess duty, which is also a lot of fun. And one, the other day, I'm not sure if they were second or third graders, two little buddies, and they're talking, they're having a great time at, at the lunch table there, and they grab my attention as I walk by, and one points to his friend, he says, you know, he's got Snapchat. <laughs> I said, you do? And I bent over, I said, you have Snapchat? He says, yeah, and I says, do you need a Band-Aid for that? <laughs> I hate it when I get Snapchat on my elbows. They weren't quite sure how to take all that, but I made myself laugh the rest of the day, because sometimes you need that. Amen. That's a different generation, huh? I don't have no idea what, what is now. I don't even know what it is, but I know some computer thing or phone thing or something. So praise the Lord. Well, this morning, we're going to take a look at uh, Genesis chapter 48. So if you'd like to turn there with me. And we'll take a look at that. I just uh, love God's word. Back in 47, we saw the provision that God had made for his people, this, 
this birth of a nation being established in Egypt and the provision made by one man. You know, one man's made an impact on a whole nation. Two nations he kept alive by his faithfulness. What can, you, what can the Lord do with you or, or with me if I just be obedient to him? It may not be something big or grand. Maybe it's one life that we reach out and touch. But Joseph, through the agency of Joseph, God so powerfully moved, made a provision for his people as his family would grow in Egypt. And so at the end of chapter 47, we see the attention's gonna get taken off of Egypt. It's Egypt, 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 because that's where they're at. We're getting that taken care of. And but quickly at the end here, in verse 29, Jacob or Israel would call for his son. And now the attention, Egypt is gonna be now in the rear view mirror because now we're looking, we're gonna look deep and far into the future. Where's Egypt today? Not much on the world stage, but look at Israel and where he is, what it is and where it is. The center of God's universe on this planet they're a powerful force. Egypt in its all of, all of its power. I loved it when they sat all Jacob down right in front of Pharaoh, into the palace of the king, into the rich and the famous, into the beautiful people of this world. And Pharaoh would look at Jacob and said, "How old are you?" Haggard. You remember that? Uh, it makes me think of Jed Clampett. Who knows who Jed Clampett is? They set Jed Clampett from the Beverly, he just set him down in the rich and the famous and the beautiful. But Pharaoh didn't understand that he was in the presence of a prince. He was in the presence of royalty. And it was Jacob who blessed Pharaoh. What a powerful picture. And now this picture is gonna be focused on Israel and on his people. And really down to the ages because the gospel is presented in this next chapter, chapter 48, in a beautiful and powerful way. This is the end of Genesis. This is a crowning moment of Genesis. This is the climax. God's heart for his people and, and people yet to come. A people outside of the family are going to be adopted in. A powerful spirit of adoption is illustrated for us here in a powerful way in this chapter. I love God's word. I think of it in my mind as gold. Amen? How many of you watch those gold shows? And they got the nugget, and he's just like this. It's a nugget. Wow. I can't wait to spend it on something else that I, can, that I have to go find some more. It's never enough. But it's so special. But how much more do we have here in God's word? This is an enduring thing. Uh, gold is God's pavement in heaven. It's asphalt. And I pray that we remember that. It's asphalt. If we look back in 47, we saw an important phrase there, when money failed in the land of Egypt. Money will fail in the land of the United States. It will come to an end. It won't do what it needs to do. 
So they say, save up your gold, save up your silver. I say, can you eat gold and silver? No. When the time comes, it's meaningless. It's nothing. But I think of God's word, the power, the beautiful. There's three beautiful things in this chapter, three nuggets. And I want, it's my hope that you would take these nuggets that I found, and they're in my pocket. Where do you put your gold? You put it in your pocket, and you know you want to pull it out, and you look at it. And every now and again, I need to pull out those nuggets from God's word that I can grab a hold of and, re- and refresh myself and renew myself of how valuable I am to him and how valuable he is, how powerful and wonderful he is. I need to be reminded. So I pray you put these things. There's three nuggets here. We're going to look at the honor, respect, and love that Joseph and his father Jacob have for one another and how that should be reflective of our relationships with one another. How we might love and honor those around us. A second nugget of the faithfulness in here of God towards this great patriarch, Jacob. How faithful the Lord had been to him his whole life as he wraps up his life. And the third nugget is the gospel presented to us. The two sons of Joseph born outside of the family. Adopted in as full sons. Kind of reminds me of me. I'm outside. But I've been adopted in. The spirit of adoption that God has towards us. He wants to be inclusive and to bring us in. So all this means to us is honor and respect. God's faithfulness and our adoption into him. So this first nugget. I love this between the two. In verse one, it says this. Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And then Jacob was told, look, your son Joseph is coming to you and Israel strengthened himself and sat up on his bed. What a powerful picture. This ancient patriarch, this prince of God, declared to be a prince of God by God himself. He summons the last little bit of his strength to honor his son, to sit up in his bed, throw his feet over the end of the bed because he knows Joseph is coming. He wants to greet him properly. He wants to greet him with power and in strength. He loves his son. Jacob now 147 years old. He's tired, he's old, and he's haggard. He's worn out and he's ready to go home. Joseph, about 56 at this time, and his son's in their 20s. And when he hears that Joseph is coming, he wants to honor his son. We get a powerful little snippet, uh, a commentary in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. It says, by faith, Jacob when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. This ancient one. I've had the opportunity as a pastor to be with people in the last hours of their life, the last few days. It's amazing to me sometimes how they rally. The body rallies for one last thing, and then they go. And what an amazing opportunity for Jacob 
how spiritually alive he is. He knows the importance of what is about to transpire, and he's going to raise himself up to honor his son, to honor the Lord, and, and the respect of the position that he held to pass on what the Lord had given to him. Told us there in Hebrews that he's leaning on his staff, and I'm going to kind of go into the faithfulness of the Lord here a little bit. Jump ahead to my next nugget. But Jacob had had this staff from the get-go. Possibly the very same staff he left with, running from his brother, the same staff as he leaned upon that as he would face his brother Isaac. Esau, I mean Esau. It represented so much of God's faithfulness to him. What a powerful and beautiful picture it is. And I pray that the Lord would give you a staff. Amen? Amen. A staff that you can lean on, that's something that always represents what the Lord has done for you, in you, and through you. And in my 40 years, I have lots of experiences, things I think about, about the, the faithfulness of the Lord to me that I can lean upon. But even if you don't have a track record, or maybe you're depressed today, or you're discouraged, and you can't even remember you're, you can't even find your staff. I'm going to give you one this morning from Jude chapter 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. There's a staff to lean on. We have the most powerful staff, the richest staff that we could ever have in all of human history, God's eternal word that we can rest upon, a rock to stand upon. I love this passage because for me, I stumble. <laughs> I'm a stumbler and I have faults. But as I look at him, he's able, he's able it's his glory, it's his joy, it's his redemptive work in my life. It's his wisdom, it's his majesty, it's his dominion and power, not mine. That I can lean on. I can't lean on myself, but I can lean on him. And the reciprocal in verse 12, turn to look at verse 12 there with me. Joseph's before his dad, ready and willing for him to bless his two sons. And Joseph brought them down from his knees, and he bowed down with his face to the earth. Whereas Pharaoh didn't recognize Jacob's position, Joseph surely does. Joseph knows what to do. And he bows his face completely to the ground in honor of his father. What a powerful picture. Jacob is finishing strong here. With all the flaws of Jacob, he's finishing strong. There are many Bible characters that didn't finish very strong. And as we look at Jacob's life and all the critics of Jacob that would minimize him, think of him as a a scoundrel. Let's take a note from Joseph 
Joseph who stands alone with Job and Daniel. Major characters in the Bible that we see no flaws, no sin attributed to them, no rebuke from the Lord in their life. He acknowledges the position of Jacob, the love and respect that they have for one another. And it makes me think of how we treat one another and how this should encourage us and strengthen us and challenge us to honor and love one another in such a way, in such a way as this. And I think the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, teach us to honor one another. We're to live a lifetime of honor. The, the fifth commandment, who are we to honor? Our father and our mother, uh, for a lifetime, for their lifetime. We're to honor and respect our pastors, our leaders, and the church, and Timothy in Hebrews tells us that. We're to honor others above ourselves, in Philippians. We're to honor the leadership of our government. Husbands and wives are to honor each other in their roles in the marriage. The younger are to honor the older throughout the scripture. Employee-boss relationships, we're to honor our boss in that. Where's the honor in your life and my life? And I want to challenge us. I want to challenge myself. Because this beautiful picture, this overwhelms me. I love this. Tremendous honor and respect for one another, given so freely. And I want to be in a church, and I want to be among a people that we're, too, we're, try, we're, we're going to out-honor one another, out-love one another, out-give one another. Marriages that are out-giving one another, out-loving one another. What a, what a powerful place that would be, amen? Amen. My second little nugget talks about the faithfulness of God to this patriarch of Jacob. And as God is for Jacob, God is for me, and God is towards you. Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was faithful to Jacob, he'll be faithful to me, he'll be faithful to you, he'll be faithful to my son and to my grandson until the day he returns. He's faithful. Jacob, in verse 3, would say to Joseph, he's going to rehearse just in a few verses some of the blessings of the Lord. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and he blessed me. Did Jacob have a hard life? Oh, yeah. But he remembers it was because he blessed me. He was with me. You know, the Lord's appeared to you. Even in his creation, he's appearing to you each and every day. Every sunrise and every sunset, he is making an appearance. And will we, will we respond? And do we understand that he wants to bless us? And God gave him the promise that he gave to his grandfather and to his father. Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and make you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. He's rehearsing God's faithfulness to Joseph, to himself, and especially to these two young boys who he's about to adopt into the family. 
receiving them to himself. They need to see their age-old grandfather talking about the faithfulness of the Lord and how we need to be passing it on to our children and our grandchildren and all the children that come and cross our path to model and example Christ's love to them and encourage them and give them hope to look forward to the future that the Lord is faithful. And now that in verse four, he says, now these, now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Sibion, they shall be mine. He never thought to see them or even understand that even Joseph had two sons because he hadn't even seen Joseph. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But as these sons stand before him, he knows the fulfillment. He's looking down to the ages where Isaac, his father, was blind, and we'll know Jacob here is blind. But Jacob isn't seeing with the natural eye. Jacob is seeing with spiritual eyes. A spiritual man always sees more. It is never, you know, they say it's blind faith. No. I just see much clearer than you could possibly understand. Jacob is looking into the future. And Adopi's gonna bring these children in. They're gonna be mine. He said that you would make me fruitful and multiply. He hadn't seen that yet. His family had grown to 70. We'll know their time in Egypt, these 400 years, they will go from 70 to approximately 2 million people. I've heard as many as 10 million. Some say five. Conservatively, two million people by the time they leave Egypt. Jacob knows that's what's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, <laughs> but it's going to happen. He's going to adopt these two boys into his life. It will fulfill the promise that Abraham would be the father of what? Many nations. So these two boys born in Egypt, outside of the family, half-breeds, aren't, who aren't eligible to be a part of the family, are gonna be grafted in. As we go on about his faithfulness, and we'll come back to, to these two boys, he says, but as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath which is Bethlehem. It's interesting to me, in the midst of his recounting the blessings of the Lord, he recounts this in the middle of the blessings. Tragedy, disappointment, and pain are a part of all of our lives. One out of one of you are gonna suffer pain. I know that. But with perspective and faith, and eyes that see into the future, Jacob includes that into the blessings of the Lord. Probably one of the greatest disappointments of his life, the greatest point of sadness for him. Jacob remembers and recounts it. And we should be a people to handle it with grace and perspective. That those that see us that go through the struggles that we go through could see that we have an anchor, we have a rock, we have a staff. We have hope, amen? So as we look at these two boys, when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? 
He knew who they were. I loved it when he said, these two sons of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, he said, were born to you in Egypt. He knows who they are. He knows their half-breeds. He's recounting it. And when he says, I am adopting them, they are going to be mine. As Reuben and Simeon are mine, they are mine. He adopts them fully into the family. Did Ephraim and Manasseh have to do anything to receive that adoption? They just needed to be in the presence, didn't they? They just needed to be ready and available. And he would adopt them in. Kind of reminds me of some other adoption that I've had. As I come and present myself to the Lord, as I get finished running, if I get finished in my rebellion, in my bitterness, or in my own ways, when I stand before him, he said, are you ready to be adopted now? Here's the spirit of adoption here early on, God's heart towards the inclusiveness into his family. And although Jacob's eyes are dim, says in verse 10, he can't see. He's seeing much more than we could even imagine. He's spiritually alive and vital, even at the last hours of his life. And I love this. The first step of adoption was to kiss and embrace. <laughs> he kisses and embraces these two boys. Bring them to me that I might bless them. That's the heart of the Father calling each of us. Come to me. Let me hug you. Let me kiss you. Let me adopt you. Let me bring you into my house, under my roof, under my protection, under my power, under my dominion, under my rule and government. I will bring you in. How I love the Lord. We see the faithfulness of the Lord in verse 11 that Israel said to Joseph, I had thought not to see your face, but in fact, God has shown me your offspring. Could we sometimes stop thinking? Jacob had thought it all out. There was no way he had, he had lost his beloved Joseph. Remember when he said, all things are against me. I've lost everything. My beloved Rachel and now Joseph, and now they want to take Benjamin from me. I can't bear any more. I'm glad he thinks more than I think. In Isaiah 55, the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. And to help clear that up for you, he says that the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. Can we say amen to that? Amen. When you are at the end of your wits, when you're at the end of your road, that's the beginning of his. He needs to bring us to the end of ourselves. And as Jacob stands before these two boys and before his son, he said, I can't even imagine it. And I'm going to tell you back in Genesis 46, when God tells Jacob to go, it's all right to go. Go to Egypt. I'm going to take care of you. He says this, I will take care of you there. Go down to Egypt for I'll make you a great nation there, which he did. I will go down 
to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you up again, and Joseph shall put his hand on your eyes. Wow. Because what you're going to experience might even appear to be a mirage. (laughs) It might appear to be a dream, this impossible thing will be so tangible that Joseph's going to touch your eyes, that what you've seen is absolutely real. It's not a dream. It's not a mirage. He's touching. He will touch your eyes. I love that picture. There'll be no mistake, Jacob, that I've done this work in your life. How good is the Lord to do more than we could ask or think. Amen? And as God is for him, He's that way for me, and he's that towards you. Look at verse 15 and 16, and you can sing the anthem of which Jacob would sing. And he blessed Joseph and said, Be God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walk, the God who has fed me all the life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. You can say those same things as we come and allow God to walk with us and to lead us on and bring us into his home. Pretty cool nugget, isn't it? I look at Jacob's life and I got a nugget. I say, yes, as he was faithful to Jacob, he will be faithful to me. And though I can't see the end and though I can't see any further than what I can think, his ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. Grander and more powerful than I could ever imagine. He is faithful and will be faithful. And as he honors Jacob and as Joseph had honored his father and his father, I can honor those around me. Wonderful nuggets. And now to the third nugget, this wonderful, beautiful picture of the gospel presented to us, the spirit of adoption. I'm going to go back to verse 5, and he says, Now your two sons, as I said before, rehearsing fully, he knows who they are. He can't see them, but he knows. For Joseph's part, back in Genesis 41, he called the first one Manasseh, which means God made me forget all the toil of my father's house. And he named the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. These two boys represent such the wonderful characteristics of the Lord and the effects that he, they have on our life. Jacob said, Joseph said, I named these two boys forgetting and fruitful. Where did I do that? How did I do it? Where the context is in the land of my affliction. And you say, what, how could possibly this affliction do anything good in my life? I will never forget what happened to me that day. And you can't forget it. And there will be no good fruit that would ever come out of this tragedy that is is before me. But Joseph understood that there was forgetting 
that is perspective, and that there's fruitfulness in the land of his affliction, as it is for us as well. And you say, how does, that, how does that work? I love the picture in John. As Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, and he said, you're going to have sorrow, but your sorrow is going to be turned into joy. Who can do that? Who can turn sorrow and turn it into joy? Certainly not me, and certainly not you. You can go all the therapy you want. You can take all the pills you want. You can do whatever you want, but that you cannot turn pain into joy. Sorrow. And Jesus would give a wonderful example. A one that happens, I don't know how many times a day. I, sh- I was going to look it up, but then I forgot. I'm old. <laughs> he said, just like a woman who's giving birth. Now, they tell me, and I'm glad I don't know, that giving, child, giving birth to a child is the most painful experience a human being can endure. I watched my wife endure it. She, our first, our son, who was a big boy, 26 hours, he was in labor. And every woman here who's given birth remembers that pain. But can you, do you feel that pain right now? And when that baby, Jesus said, when that baby is delivered, what, what does the pain and the sorrow replace with? Joy. He's you something tangible that's gonna continue. Those hours of pain and suffering translate into years upon years of fulfillment and wonder. It doesn't make you forget the pain. You all remember the pain. It just puts it in its proper perspective. Paul would say, when we get to heaven, the pain and the sorrow and the suffering cannot be compared to with the glory that we will have in his presence. I will recognize the pain and understand that there was pain. He doesn't make us forget it. He just puts it in its proper perspective. A great little side note here. I just ran off the over here. The Lord is good. We noticed in five that Jacob would call him his own. Like my first two children, Reuben and Manasseh, they have all the rights, duties, and privileges of the family given to them on a platter. They will be officially adopted in. These half-breeds having a Gentile mother How many of you have been outside of the family and have been adopted in? (laughs) Amen? Here's the spirit of adoption way back. Here's this why at the crowning moment here, this is the crescendo of Genesis. To fulfill the promise of Abraham that he be the father of many nations. God, it begins to include them in. Joseph gets the double blessing. You don't hear about the tribe of Joseph, do you? 
you hear about Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph's blessing is doubled. These two boys represent one, and that the tribe of Joseph. What a sweet and a powerful thing the Lord has done. They're mine. They're declared to have all the rights and privileges of his own sons. They didn't have to pass a test. They didn't have to clean up. (laughs) They didn't have to do anything. They just needed to come and be in the presence of this great patriarch of their grandfather. We've been adopted into the family. Romans chapter eight says this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's that embrace. (laughs) That's that kiss. That's what it's talking about. As we saw it in the life of Jacob and those two boys, it's a picture for us to see of our relationship with him one day. Of all those that would come to him, he would embrace and kiss. That's the first step. Will you, all we have to do is allow him to kiss us and embrace us and hug us and hold us. Dirty and filthy and and full of fault and stumbling. I come and he embraces me. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God and there we receive his spirit, the spirit of Jesus who now lives and resides in us. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, that old song, why should I benefit from his reward? (laughs) I get his inheritance. Jesus Christ, the perfect one. His work, his redemptive power and strength brought healing and strength and power and righteousness. I get his full reward. Wow. Galatians 4, to redeem those that are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. We're not half sons. We're full sons. Ephesians 1, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Was Jacob sad and sorry he was adopting these two boys? He's full of joy. What does it say about the angels in heaven when one comes to him? They're going, yes, another one adopted into the family. And they can only look from the outside because they're not in the family. They're angels. They have their role in their position. We are, they're a, we're a wonder to them. Our king would die for them? They're looking at each other going, what is this? They're, he's adopting who? They're ugly. <laughs> Anybody stand in the presence of an angel? I bet you wouldn't for very long. They're disobedient, Father. They're, they're dirty. They're rebellious. And you died for them? They looked with wonder into God's plan of redemption. 
to the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in the redemptive work and the finished work of the cross. We, as a wild olive tree, a branch grafted in by him into this rich, full olive tree, which is the nation of Israel, whose roots go deep down into the heart of God, nourished and blessed by him. We are grafted in, and we are part of the tree. Amen? I like that. Is that a good nugget? Do I need to remind myself of that? Do I need to pull it out and look at it and say, yes, yes, I am rich beyond measure because he loves me that much. He loves you that much. Can you rejoice with me as God is rejoicing over you? Do you know this adoption? Raise, raise a hand. Do you know that adoption? Have you been adopted in? And you say, Lord, thank you. Do you know the faithfulness of the Lord? Raise, keep them up. Do you know the faithfulness of the Lord in your life? And whether you don't know it or not, it's in here. Amen? And can we stand as we honor him as he, he's honored us? Coming and meeting with us redeeming us, loving us. I'd like to have the worship team come up as I close here. As we stand in the presence of the Lord, you got three big old gold nuggets. They're just three and there's thousands. In Christ, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are you grateful for that? This morning, there's some of you out there that do not know this adoption. Through decisions of your own, your own rebellion, your own pride, going your own way. Say, Lord, I don't need your house. I want to build my own. You can come. He says, come. And I will take you in. No questions asked, no deeds to do. But would you just simply come? Come unto me, all ye that weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can know the rest, the faithfulness, the honor, and the adoption this morning. If you want to know that, you are standing outside of his home. I encourage you to come up to the front here right now. Just come, just come. And transact some business with him. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your faith, your faithfulness. And in all my stumbling and in all my faults, you take me into my your house. Lord, you clean me up. You wash me. You fill me. You clothe me with righteousness. Things that I have no idea about, you give so freely to me. Lord, we receive your love into our heart this morning. And I pray, Lord, these nuggets of 
truth, of faithfulness, of honor, of adoption resonate within our hearts. May we pull them out often and gaze upon them with wonder and meditation and thought of what a God that we know that would do such a thing. If you want to know that, you can come see me afterwards, come up now, whatever you want. I just encourage you to put yourself in that place where the Father can reach out, pull you into himself, hug you, kiss you, cleanse you, restore you, give you perspective about the hurt and the suffering that you have endured in this life. And that he might bless you. Amen.